again. It's the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. My name is Dustin. And I'm Lakeisha. And it's episode 101. I know. Of the podcast recorded here from our home in Portland, Oregon, where we're going to talk about brand new beers and a not-so-brand-new movie this week. Yeah. Uh, interesting that after 100 episodes... This, this is our our hundred and first. For our one hundred and one, we are reviewing uh, what will be the worst um, of all the movies we've done. This one has the worst Rotten Tomato score. Ah, okay. Just barely, but it is the worst. Yeah, we're seeing the two thousand eighteen yes. rendition of Robin Hood, starring Jamie Fox and Taron Edgerton. Yes. Uh, if you listen to episode 100, where we were uh, pairing beer and movies, we did go down a little bit of a Robin Hood rabbit hole. Yes. If you will. And then, not long after doing that episode, we caught the end of Kingsman, The mm-hmm. Secret Service, uh, with Taron Egerton, a movie that we both really enjoy. Right. And as we were watching it, we were both kind of like, ah, you know, that Robin Hood movie he was in. We never saw that. That might be kind of fun to do, look silly or whatever. And then we watched it. And then we watched it. <laughs> and, um, well, there's a reason it has a 15% uh, Rotten Tomato score. Yeah. It's still yeah. tough. Yeah. It it missed the mark. It really missed the mark. Is that, is that an archery pun that we're doing? Unintentional archery oh, okay. pun. Okay. But I appreciate that I said it. Once I said it, I was like, oh, that was a great pun. It was a pun. I feel like that's kind of how we could describe this like, movie. This was a movie. <laughs> there were people in front of cameras. They said they said words. All right, uh, but it'll be fun to talk about because it's it is something. It is. Um, there is yeah. a lot to talk about. There is. Um, but before we get into that, uh, we have a cu- we each have a beer in front of us. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, I'll just go first. Are you okay. go first? I think this week it's me. Okay, then you go right ahead. Okay. Um. So. Uh, this will be a, a, a third in my series of uh, experiments with beer uh-huh. or non-alcoholic beer. So if you recall, a couple of weeks ago, um, I had Wellbeing Brewing um, and there was a, an amber. I think it was like Hellraiser Amber or something. Uh-huh. Um, and prior to that, I had a, a non-alcoholic IPA from Bravis Brewing. Yeah. So this time, I am trying another non-alcoholic IPA. I am determined to believe that cra- that a non-alcoholic craft beer is possible. Well, they're possible. So, they exist. Yeah. Well, are I mean, they, of course they are, exist. Are they good, though? So, yeah. And this all stems out of an article I read like in early 2019 where I was like, oh... People are exploring this idea of non-alcoholic craft beer. Right. It'd be great, you know, sometime to have an IPA or two without, you know, always getting drunk. Um, and I don't get drunk after an IPA or two. Right. So. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Yeah. But um, anyway, so Athletic Brewing is out of uh, Connecticut. And the founder is Bill Schufelt. And he was, um, basically, he was kind of getting married uh, several years ago. Um, he was in the idea of, like, re-evaluating his life choices, I guess, as 
as one does sure. before they get married. Yeah. Um, and basically was trying to be healthy and fit and wasn't able to combine that with heavy drinking. <laughs> so instead, um, he tried, he decided to try a, um, the idea of offering a non-alcoholic beer. And so, um, athletic brewing, it, it's not very old. It's only like four year, three or four years old. Oh, okay. And they actually just went through a major, um, kind of upgrade in facilities and expansion. So over the summer when you would try and order beer from them, because again, they're in Connecticut, um, you like, there was like a, a several month delay to get yeah. it here. So, um, in fact, I think mine, mine just arrived today. Right. <laughs> so, they did. um, so they have several beers. I am drinking their IPA. It's called the run wild IPA. Um, they describe this as um, a, you know, a craft beer where you get all of the taste without the alcohol, right? So it is the ultimate sessionable IPA, subtle yet complex malt. And it's a blend of Northwest hops with Citra and Mosaic at the forefront is what they say. Um, it's only got 35 IBUs, which is pretty low mm-hmm. for an IPA, um, but normal for about a hazy IPA. Um, so anyway, it's it's not bad. Um, it's interesting. This really this has five ingredients: water, organic, or four water, organic barley, hops, and yeast. Huh. Um, and they're coming out with some, I mean, it's, it's not bad at all. I would say that Bravis Brewing smelled better or it smelled worse than this. This smells better than Bravis Brewing beer. Okay. And this has a bit of a, a sharper taste than Bravis, but you can definitely feel that this is a better step towards an IPA. Um, and it's it's got that bitter flavor to it, so maybe not as hoppy as I want it. Yeah, but it, it's not bad. We'll see how I feel at the end of at the end of the glass. Okay. So, what about you? What are you drinking? Well, well, your uh, the one you have you said hasn't been around. It's pretty young. I went in another direction, and I kind of went thematic. Ooh. So thematic. Since, thematic. Since we are doing a movie, a Robin Hood movie, set in England. Mm-hmm. I decided that I would have uh, get myself a proper British English pint of beer. Okay. And so I have uh, Boddington's Pub Ale. Ooh. Boddington's Brewery, uh, originating in Manchester, England, been around since 1778. Wow. And and um, owned pubs. Uh, the brewery itself owned pubs throughout the Northwest, best known for a beer called Boddington's Bitter, which is not what I have here. Uh, it was in the 90s that they started putting out this pub ale. It's a little bit stronger than their the normal stuff they're making, but still it's not even. It's only like 4.8% alcohol by volume. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting in that it has, it became one of the first beers to when they can it, it includes, there's like a little widget, what they call it, in the can that's supposed to like release some sort of additional bubbles 
so that it, so that you'll have like supposed to have a nice like head like you would have off pulling it off a draft, you know, in the English pub. I think that mine didn't work because it's supposed to you know as soon as you open it activate you know when you're pouring this nice foamy beer into your glass. That didn't happen. No. Oh. Can you see uh, the widget in there? I can hear it. I oh. can hear it rattling around there. Um, it says, maybe this is why. It says, for best reserves, results, serve cool but not ice cold. I pulled, It had been in the refrigerator a while. I poured this pretty cold. Uh, and it says, you pour it into a glass and wait and watch the head settle on a perfect glass of Boddington's Pub Ale. I didn't have to wait very long. There wasn't very much of a head on it. Uh, it... I think I think there is something to maybe because it was too cold or for whatever reason it didn't work. Okay. Um, it tastes fine. It's uh, it's light. You know, it's not like certainly not like an IPA. Uh, it tastes more. It almost it tastes kind of like a cream ale to me. Oh, interesting. But I think I can tell I can tell that if this was pulled poured off of a off of a draft, you know. Okay. Tap. I think it. I can tell how it would be better. Huh. than this but it's fine and it's inter- i'm like and especially maybe because it's kind of get Oktoberfest season i'm kind of interested in you know european beers that have been around forever right because you know, that kind of history is interesting to me uh but you know it's it, it's now owned like many other things by inbev which is the amheuser-busch conglomerate which is a little bit of a bummer to read about yeah but it's still you know it's still i mean assuming that i assume that it's still there in uh in Manchester, you know, where it originated. So, been around, you know, a couple centuries or whatever. So, anyway, Boddington's. Nice. Uh, or bodies, <laughs> as Wikipedia says it's called. Okay. All right. So, Robin Hood. Yeah, I guess we got to dive into this 2018 movie. 2018 Robin Hood. Yeah. Yeah. This is like many things. It's supposed to be an origin story, yes. right? How Robin Hood became the outlaw yep um yeah okay so i guess here's my first question yeah do you feel it deserves a 15 percent rotten tomato score um yeah um <laughs> i uh you know i am i have a i'm on letterboxd uh, the movie review social media app and I posted a little review for it. Uh, and on Letterboxd, you can give things up to five stars. Mm-hmm. I gave it a star. Okay. And essentially said... Um, That's at least a 20%, though, if you've got five stars. I guess. Um, <laughs> but I, essentially, I said that um, $2 rental out of Redbox, about what it was worth, mm-hmm. I think. Um, what about you? Um, well, I don't think it, it is, I don't, it's not a 15% for me at all. Mm. Um, it, but it's not, it's not great. I mean, I think this is a, out of five stars, I would probably give it, I don't know, two and a half, two. So. Mm. Wow. I'd give it 50%. Okay. You know. I mean, I guess that's still an F if you're in yeah. school. <laughs> so, but yeah. So let's let's get into our reasons why. Well, yeah. So, well, but we still but gotta, yeah. we still have to come up with things that we liked about it. Right. We have. Yeah. You have to talk about the fifteen percent you liked, and I will come up with the fifty percent 
or the other 35%. Okay. Combined somehow. Combined. We'll get there. All right. So, uh, yeah, we've each come up with three things yep. that we like about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we have not talked about them no. before we share them at this podcast. Right. Um, spoiler alert. We will talk about the all the dirty details about this movie. So if you haven't seen it um, and you don't want the movie spoiled for you... <laughs> Uh, you might want to pause, go rent the movie from Redbox, watch it, and then come back. Or you could trust us that uh, you're probably going to want to wait until this is free on Netflix or Amazon. Or just watch a different version of Robin Hood. Yeah, that, that or that. But, you know, maybe you'll find it, it, find it intriguing. More entertaining they, than we did. They did some things. They uh-huh. made choices. Oh, yeah. So, um, so anyway, okay. you go first with your first yeah. thing that you liked. Uh, okay, so my first thing that I enjoy about this is I'm just I'm a fan of Taron Egerton. Okay, right? Um, he's a fun actor. Uh, I've been a fan of his since we saw, I first saw him in The Kingsman, right. which I liked ninety seven percent of that movie, and so I. Um, so I was just looking forward to seeing him in it because he, he is an actor who makes fun choices, I think. Um, and you know, he, he falls a little flat in this movie, I think. Um, but he does have moments where, and he's best, he's best when he gets to be mischievous. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I think that's what makes him so endearing in the Kingsman uh, series, as well as in Eddie the Eagle, mm-hmm. which was a, I thought was a fun movie. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where those moments where you get to see him do his little like grin where you can just tell um, he's going to be a problem child. And that's OK. And we're all going to just love it. Right. You know. And he, you know, he's 30, um, so still young. It's funny, though, that, he, you know, he's playing, you know, 19, 20-year-olds in, in a lot of his movies. This is the first time you actually see him as probably an adult. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, he's, he's fun. Um, the other thing, one of the things that I do like about it, though, is when there's lots of slow-mo action sequences in this movie. Yeah. And he is making some of the most ridiculous faces while he's doing these action sequences. And I think I find that really hilarious. Um, And it's also just a great reminder that, you know, when you're an actor, like you really do have to think about what, what your face is doing at all points in time. Cause there are just some great moments where he's, you know, they they zoom in and do a slow-mo of him taking a shot. And he's got his face all scrunched up. And he's got a weird, like, arc to his lip. And it's just, it is not a, it is not the face of somebody who is worried about, like, is this my best angle? It's the face of somebody who's like, damn it, I have to hit this target with my arrow. <laughs> and it's yeah. just, it's really fun. So I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate him. So it. It's not a great movie. I don't think this is even his best acting. Oh, no. But um, but he's fine. Okay. All right. For my first thing, I'm going to say uh, 
what ends up being the first real action set piece of the movie, um, which takes place during the Crusades. Um, Robin gets drafted mm-hmm. into right. the Crusades. Right, I know. They send draft notices, which He is finds hilarious. a note nailed to his door telling him he's been drafted into the Third Crusade, which is not a thing the Crusades were called until afterwards. Right. After they weren't numbered until they were all done. So that's funny that he was drafted into the Third Crusade. Also, as a nobleman, wouldn't have been drafted. Right. Uh, but Actually, maybe. Uh, they I, didn't really get to choose not to go. Um, I think maybe it was more of an expectation, and then yeah. they probably all went. But as far as, you know, someone coming around with a parchment, right? you know. Go or else. Yes. Um, uh, and then the next, but anyway, so he gets drafted. And then next thing you know, they're, I can't remember if they actually said they're in Jerusalem or where they were exactly, but somewhere in the Middle East. Um, and he's with uh, Guy Gisborne and a bunch of other men. And suddenly they're being blasted at by this rapid fire, heavy arrow gun. Oh my gosh! Thing. Um, That's something you that like. Thing? Well, just the whole like action, the sequence. Okay. Uh, now, because uh, that is in a different part of my okay. evaluation of That's this fair. movie. <laughs> sure, uh, I get it. Uh, now that this rapid fire, it, it reminded me of like. Uh, like like in maybe in an old Rambo movie where Rambo is shooting like a fifty caliber machine gun. Mm-hmm. This is like this era's version of that. Was that a thing that really existed? I'm sure it didn't. I could have done research into that, but I I I I already felt stupid enough <laughs> doing the research that I did do into this movie, so I didn't go a ton further. But um, but you know what? They made it look. They did a good enough job building that prop mm-hmm. that it made it look like it was convincing enough that I was able to just dispel enough disbelief that I'd be like, all right, fine. I'll buy this. Right? <laughs> and so they got to take out. So, but it was really like, as far as the action goes, so these, these guys just have their normal long English longbows. Mm-hmm. Right? And they, this thing is just rapid fire belting these big, huge, like, I think they were metal even, or so I don't know, whatever the arrows were made out of. Big. Taking out chunks of wall, um, it's pretty you know thrilling. Really, the whole the sequence is as they're trying to find a way to you know find cover, you know wait for it to reload. However, the reloading process works on this thing. Right. Get up into this tower, um, you know, and this is where you run into Jamie Fox for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's some fighting and there's some arrow foo as I'm going to call it. Arrow foo. Uh, and uh, and you know it ends with Jamie Han- Jamie Fox getting his freaking hand cut off. Right. Didn't see that coming. I did not see that coming you know? either. So that was a pretty neat little, whoa, that's a really neat little surprise. And the whole sequence is really very competently done. Um, I can't remember if it was the IMDb trivia or another article I read about it where they purposely filmed that like a, like a modern war film. To look like a modern war film would look. Okay, and they did do that on purpose? Yes, they did like, do that on purpose. Like with the whole purpose. like almost camouflage and just Black like, and I think that just like did not have and the cinematography, the way it looks, yeah. I think, and so that makes sense having read that. And it looks good, and it's I think it's fun. It's a fun sequence, mm-hmm. you know. And if you're willing to buy the the conceit of the rapid fire fifty caliber arrow machine gun, uh, you know, then it's even funner. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, that sequence is a, is pretty good. It's pretty well filmed. It's the best action thing in the movie, as far as I. Interesting. I, okay. I think, anyway. So, yeah, that's my first favorite thing. Okay. 
Um, my second favorite thing is something I bet is on your list. Okay. Because it's not a thing. It's a who. Uh-huh. And it's Ben Mendelsohn. Okay. Because he's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just... I, I The more I see him in things... I used to notice him and be like, Oh, hey, I know that actor. I like right. him. And now I definitely can name him on sight or sound. He has such a distinctive voice. Um, and I just think he's a great villain. He plays his villain to the nines, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's just greedy and angry and, uh, um, like he's an orator, you know, he, like you first see him while he's out, um, convi- like giving a speech to convince the masses that the war effort is, important and so they must give to uh, the war effort to support uh, their cause you know it's ve- it, it's kind of scary though it really um it sounds very much like a fear-mongering speech that you might have seen um it sounds exactly like a fear-mongering speech right. that you would have heard a certain american politician give correct um and so i i don't know so it's just it's such a you just walk up, you see, hear him, and you listen to him, and you're like, "Yep, that's that's a bad guy through and through." Yeah. Um, I don't really understand why he is wearing a um well tailored white leather jacket throughout this whole thing, but you know, um, whatever. Taron Egerton is wearing a quilted, um, like long coat. For the first part of the movie, uh-huh. you know, long leather jacket that gets then gets cut and hemmed to be, you know, shorter and sleeker and looks like he's coming out of an 80s biker movie. Um, so, yeah, that part I don't really understand, but he pulls it off like okay. he's in it and mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, I own this. This this is my outfit and and I'm going to. I guess wear it to its fullest potential. Right. So, um, so anyway, so even though I was shocked by it, he still commits to that outfit. Mm -hmm. So you almost, I almost, of all of the crazy outfits we see in this, his is the one that I got the most accustomed to, um, in terms of like, oh yeah, that's what a villain would wear. (laughs) No. I mean, it's not what a villain in medieval times would wear. But I think maybe they just got confused. Oh, I'll talk about that later. <laughs> All right. For my second favorite thing, I am going to say Jamie Foxx. Mm-hmm. Um, the writers of this movie, I don't feel, did their cast a lot of justice. No. When words are being spoken between human beings, that is, uh, you. it's one of the weakest parts of, of when, this movie. When words are being there spoken. There is just a lot of... <laughs> dumb dialogue a lot of ridiculous silly uh you know stuff being said by everyone Mm -hmm. but man jamie fox means his silly dumb ridiculous dialogue he is not screwing around he is giving his stuff with a conviction that like almost no one else except mendelson is giving he is meaning it and you just have to respect like um 
considering how good this movie isn't, uh, you know, that he was, that he is really, I mean, everyone else seems to be playing their character with like a wink and a nod. Right. Not him. But not him. He means it a million percent. Um, Also, I feel it was an interesting idea. They essentially took Morgan Freeman's character from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and just merged it with Little John. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting idea. Right. You know, I'm fine with that. Um, also, the part about him getting his hand cut off, wasn't the beginning of Prince of Thieves, wasn't Kevin Costner about to get his hand cut off mm-hmm. in a Turkish prison? So it's right. like, like, that feels like some stuff got repurposed. Yeah. You know, from previous movies, which is interesting. But yeah, he's, uh, uh, yeah, his performance is pretty solid. Uh, despite, you know, and just that he just doesn't crack saying the things that they ask him to say. Correct. <laughs> is pretty, as far as I'm concerned, pretty impressive. And when he sees his, uh, spoiler alert, uh, he sees his son murdered in front of him. And that 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 moment of uh, tragedy mm-hmm. and horror is, is legitimate. It's like the one part of the movie where I actually felt something other than, you know, disappointment. <laughs> Okay. All right. So my third thing is, um, it's interesting that you said that the first part of the movie, what that action sequence was yeah. what you liked, because uh-huh. my third thing is the archery in the latter half of the movie. Okay. And here's why. Um, that archery was real. Those sh- trick shots mm-hmm. that you see Taron Egerton doing where you're like, clearly that's CGI, mm-hmm. not CGI. He okay. does those shots. He does shoot his arrow in the way that uh, Jamie Foxx talks to him about in the movie. There's a scene where they say, you know, keep it on the draw side so, right. rather than doing the switch over. Right. Um, and turns out that that technique is probably more historically accurate um, in with a lot of... Um, art, fast archery. And in fact, there is a... Um, YouTube star named Lars Anderson. The real Legolas. Yeah. No. From uh, Denmark. That's what they call him though, right? Uh, that's what some people call okay. him. Um, but he he actually can like leap and shoot multiple arrows while he's in the air. Right. This way with accuracy. So he can hit his target that way too. Mm-hmm. So he actually um, came and taught instructed both Jamie Foxx and Taron Egerton in this style of shooting. Right. And there's a bunch of YouTube videos of his work. Mm-hmm. And his YouTube videos are are hilarious. They are equal parts geeky and equal parts super awesome. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, um, oh gosh, what's the... My first thought is, you remember how there was the the Star Wars kid? He was like the first real viral oh, video, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. And you're watching it, and you're not really sure what you're watching. It's That's how Lars Anderson videos are, where you're like, I don't know if I should be laughing at this or impressed by this. Mm-hmm. And then you end up impressed, because he really is... Um, it isn't... It's fascinating to watch him be able to shoot with such speed and accuracy and hit moving targets in the air. Um, but 
I love that he does it in like faded, regular baggy jeans and an old black t-shirt, you know? Right. <laughs> um, so, so I just was really impressed, impressed by that. And they have a video really where they show him working with Taron Egerton mm-hmm. and, and Taron is in fact shooting. He is jumping through the air and shooting multiple arrows and he is hitting multiple targets right. in the air. And so those scenes, in that movie now have a different layer for me and they're, they're more impressive. So that's my number three is that the archery in this movie actually was pretty legit. It's not CGI and Mm. I'm impressed by that. Okay. That's sort of what I was going to say for my last one. Okay. Not necessarily what was on screen, but just that the work that they put into it. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause yeah, I saw the videos of Egerton, you know, you know, practicing or rehearsing or whatever you want to call it, you know, with the uh, bouncing off a thing, trampoline and shooting a thing in the air and, you know, and he could do it. And uh, so I respect like the behind the scenes work mm-hmm. they put it and the idea to try to bring in this, what I, what I, the archery foo, right. as I like to call it. Cause it's a, you know, it's a, you know, it's all the other Robin Hood movies we've ever seen, you know, he's a great archer. It's just like a, your standard English longbow, and he shoots it, and he never misses. Mm-hmm. You know, splits an arrow with another arrow. Well, you know, we and we've seen all that going back. So this is it. They tried. They tried to come up with something completely different that hadn't been seen before in a Robin Hood story. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate the effort. Um, I I don't know that I believe the, that there's not CGI arrows in there. Oh, I'm sure there are CGI uh, arrows in there. I'm just saying that he did most of that work. work. Okay. Um, as I was read, but it's interesting. So yeah, so let's just gonna leave it at that as you know the behind the scenes effort they put mm-hmm. into to it. Um, that that guy though, Lars. I found this, I read this article uh, from Gizmodo that was written when the movie came out, and apparently that guy's a real controversial figure in the archery community. Did Ooh. you see this? And it's not because for what he does, like the videos or whatever. It's more that what he claims is apparently he guess he claims or maybe he doesn't anymore. I don't know. But back then he was at least claiming that he had kind of resurrected this lost form of archery, you know. And apparently what he really was doing was just borrowing from forms of archery from other parts of the world. That yeah. are still being practiced today uh, and claiming it was something it wasn't. Okay. So it's just interesting. It's a, you know, interesting figure. Uh, but, you know, it, but having him involved in the movie made that style, you mm-hmm. know, uh, look, and it looks pretty cool. Right. For the most part. Well, and I definitely had a healthier respect for it because initially I was like, well, this is, they're just doing this for the movie. You know, like mm-hmm. that's all this is. They're just they they've made up a form of archery right. specifically to, for this movie to make it look cool and edgy. Right. So to find out that that actually, but it is real, and mm-hmm. that is, it's possible to do that and be that accurate, is really impressive. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, this is where we usually get into stuff we didn't like. Correct. I've got it all boiled down to one thing, so I'm not going to go crazy. Okay. Do you want to go first, though, since you've been going first? Sure. All right. Um, I 
well, yeah, I have I have uh, several things that I didn't like, but I would say the two things that were most just like I didn't like the most was I did not like the Will Scarlet Marion Hood romance triangle. Yeah, like that was, that was bad. stupid. Yeah, you know, uh, especially since it it was one of the things that was the most different from the Robin Hood lore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the thing that was most kind of like, wait, Will Scarlet is supposed to be his buddy. You know, like they become outlaws together. Mm-hmm. Will Scarlet doesn't become the next sheriff of Nottingham. Spoiler. Oh, yes. <laughs> right. Um, and there's not a love triangle in the Maid Marian Robin Hood story. Like, I don't know. It just seemed dumb. It was yes. just a, there's no, in, and there's no investment in it emotionally because you, everybody knew they were going to end up together. Right. You're like, well, it's not even, it's, it, it's a setup for something that we don't even believe in the first place. Yeah. There's, um, there's Jamie Dornan, the mm-hmm. little Scarlet and this, has zero chemistry with the actress who plays Maid Marian. Right. I was like, why are they even together? Yeah. I mean, what is it? Yeah, I just, yeah. It was like, it was a very much a side plot that was a big waste of time. And right. I did not care. It didn't need to be there. No. Nobody really believes it. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, fun fact, Eve Hewson... Yeah. Bono's daughter. Okay. From YouTube. You too. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I did not know that. But she does look vaguely familiar. So once I read that, I was like, oh, I can okay. see that. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, okay. The other thing was, so they set up at the beginning in that first initial fight scene mm-hmm. with uh, Gisborne. Uh, Guy de Gisborne as going to, he's going to be the primary villain. Right. You learn very quickly that he is a sleaze bag. Yep. Um, but then it never pays off. Right. Right. Like he comes back and he is like a, vi- a hired thug henchman. Yeah, he's a, henchman. he's a hired henchman to come in and catch the hood, which is a stupid name. Um, and. So, like, it just was super disappointing that they set up this great villain who would be an excellent second antagonist next to the Sheriff of Nottingham. Right. But instead, they go into this weird thing where the sheriff is aligned with the cardinals of uh, Cardinal of England to try and wrest control of England from the the crown. And... And Gisborne is really relegated to simply a hired henchman. Right. And I just felt like that was a wasted opportunity because they really set up Gisborne as like an excellent villain. Right. Um, so it was, that was weird. Um, I really did not, I mean, while I found that first fight scene in, you know, wherever they're having the crusades to be right. interesting, um, the the fact that they really did set it up like a modern day military battle was a little disappointing because it's just so not how it happened. And 
English archers could not walk around with their bows drawn the right. way that they do. I mean, they're they're moving in like a military unit, mm-hmm. you know, holding their bows drawn like they're, you know, guns. Right. And you're like, that that's not even that's not even possible. Like, you can't do that. That's not how the English longbows worked. What's happening here? You know, so I I was I I don't know. They they had a great opportunity that was wasted, yeah. and I didn't like it. Yeah, I, I, I kind of wasn't too worried about that that sort of thing because, like, having remembered what the trailer looked like, mm-hmm. my expectations were were already low. Were already pretty low. Um, I like the idea that because um, you know Guy Gisborne has been in other Robin Hood stories mm-hmm. as you know a second in command, you know, or a henchman to the sheriff. I like this idea that they serve together, Robin and Gisborne. You know, mm-hmm. we're veterans of the same war, served together. And at the, towards the end, he even, Robin even mentions, you know, you saved my life over there. Right. And that was a dynamic that could have been used more. Yeah. That would have been more interesting uh, instead of just, you know, having him be like this, giving him this, you know, handlebar mustache and right. leather, you know, biker yes. clothes. So make sure you know that he's the bad, a bad guy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but so my what I kind of boil it all down to, I um, uh, found on IMDb's trivia uh, section for this movie that set and costume designers were instructed to make things a third historically correct, a third contemporary, and a third futuristic. I don't like it. No. Don't like it because we talked the entire movie about like the first time you see Ben Mendelsohn, he is wearing something that you would see. It's, you could easily see, like, I don't know, maybe in Paris today, mm-hmm. like some sort of fashion-forward, you know, place today. Everybody's wearing very modern clothes. I mean, Maid Marian at one point is straight up wearing a leather jacket. Oh, Like yeah. a modern black leather jacket. And, but they're existing in whatever century England that that story takes place in. Everyone's riding around on horses and they're shooting bows and arrows and swords. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're just like, what is happening? What is the point of this? Mm-hmm. You know, I think I don't know why they decided to make it this way. Third and third and third futuristic. I mean, commit to something right. because you know, I didn't know that's what you were striving for. I was just like, did they just get really lazy? Mm-hmm. Is that what this is? They're right. like, oh, you know, costumes, you know, whatever we can find. I don't know. It just it felt it felt like what it felt like like let's just not worry about. You know, that it was like an active choice to do that seems really weird and it really doesn't work. I couldn't decide if they were trying to emulate um, a knight's tale. Right. Where they deliberately infused these modern Um, elements into what they were doing. The music. But even the clothing, you know, there, there are these times where you're like, that movie made a very deliberate choice. Right. And you, you realize that while you're watching it. Like, mm-hmm. this is the choice that they're making. But again, with, with this Robin Hood, you can't tell. Right. Like, it, the fact that it was a deliberate choice isn't obvious. So you are just left very confused. Because right. there, are, there are some people who are in more, you know, that kind of medieval style mm-hmm. clothing and armor, you know, soldiers are wearing, you know, Whatever you kind of what you would expect, right? And uh, you know, but then some people are, are you know, it was like, is that guy in a 
denim jacket what is right you know did that just is that just a screw up did they apparently they meant to do that i mean why didn't you just set it in modern times and just make a tell a modern version if you're going to do that at all Mm -hmm. i just and then at one point they're you could they're pulling something up a railroad track right i mean it's one thing if you're going to invent weaponry that didn't exist at the time, but at least you made it look like it could have. Right. Right. It's one thing to kind of modernize the clothing styles. And you're like, you know, you can squint at it and be like, yeah, that looks too modern, but okay. It's another thing where you're just straight up, that technology did not exist. Right. It's a thing that exists now, and we're, we know when it came along, and it was not there. And it's just like unexplained, and it's really strange. Yeah. And yeah, and then they're in a mining town, but you right. have no idea what they're mining. And however they're mining, it it does it. That's it's not, not how mining that's probably how, works. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they just wanted it there so that they could have cool fire and right. sparks and stuff for the grand. I think they were really finale. looking forward to the molten metal scene. Yeah, where with a inexplicably large vat of melted metal mm-hmm. yeah it's just yeah and uh, you know what and i can't there's no prince john right i didn't like that there was no prince john that is true you gotta have prince john yes so um yeah and i wasn't too sure about friar tuck like he plays a much smaller role in this yeah and but it doesn't really even make sense what kind of like, who is he? What is he doing? It's almost like they were like, oh, we need to have a Friar Tuck in this. Yeah. And then they just kind of came up with some stuff. Right. Well, like, it's kind of like when they decided that the church had to be part of the villainy yeah. plot, that they were like, oh, yeah, Friar Tuck. Friar Tuck will be there. We right. forgot so, about that So, yeah, guy. somebody write some lines for our Friar Tuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, just disappointing yeah it's not good Mm-mm. not great just just for fun though you should know that um there was a poll on imdb about what the best robin hood would be um and out of and 600 people voted believe it or not th- this robin hood came in fifth in the so there were ten that came, that uh, were on the list, and that one was smack dab in the middle. Middle? What came behind it? Uh, um, behind it was Sean Connery in Robin and Marion. Nonsense. I mean, Robin, the nineteen ninety one Patrick Bergen Robin Hood. I don't know that I ever saw that. Yeah, that one didn't, because there were two Robin Hood movies that came out in 1991. Mm. One was the Kevin Costner one, and the other was the Patrick Bergen one. Okay. And nobody knew who Patrick Bergen was. I don't know who Patrick Bergen is now. There also was a 2018 other movie called Robin Hood, The Rebellion, that contains Ben Freeman. I don't know who that is. I know that name, though. Hmm. But, um, fun fact, only five people actually voted for that movie. Oh, okay. Um, The number one... Move, uh, version of Robin Hood was The Adventures of Robin Hood and, with Errol Flynn. Errol Flynn, sure. Um, closely behind it was number two was the the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves Kevin Costner one. Mm-hmm. Um, number three 
was Robin Hood Men in Tights. Okay. And number four was the 2010 Robin Hood with Russell Crowe. Where, what, about, what about the anime Disney one? Oh, they, this was live action. So oh, there were no okay. animated ones. I was, gonna get, I was getting angry because okay. I wasn't hearing <laughs> right. the definitive Robin Hood. Yes. You know, cartoon Fox Robin Hood. Right. Um, I actually enjoyed the 2010 version of Robin Hood with Russell Crowe. So did I. It gets a bad rap. It does. And I don't really understand what people's problem. I mean, it's not perfect by any means. The story no. doesn't quite... It's got some plot issues, you know, as far oh, as making sense. But I like what they do, like the different take on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I enjoyed that that different version yeah. of where he comes from and, and everything. Uh, and Russell Crowe and um, what's her face? Whose name I can't remember. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett were yeah. great. Yeah. Were great. I like Kate Blanchett a lot, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this movie, um, man. Uh, so notice, I did not have Ben Mendelsohn as one of my favorite things. I know. I'm impressed He's just, and disappointed. just too much chewing the scenery, like as hard as he possibly could. Oh, I mean, see, and I appreciated I it. I mean, earned that paycheck, I guess, but I mean, yeah, I just didn't, didn't like it. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. We're not required to like everything. Indeed. That Ben Mendelsohn is in. Although I think you're weird. Okay. So this... Rotten, this movie's Rotten Tomatoes score was 1% lower than our previous worst reviewed movie that we've done. Which yeah. Was, you know, what it, can you guess what it was? No. It was uh, The Mummy. Oh. Starring Tom Cruise. Yeah. So what do you think? Is this, you think this is better or worse than The Mummy? Oh. That's tough, huh? That is tough. Because the things I didn't like about The Mummy are different than the things I didn't like about this. Right. So, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just Do you? I'm I'm going to give the edge to the mummy solely because of Sofia Vitella. Mm, okay. Right. Who was in Kingsman? Right. With Tara so Egerton. All 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 a big circle. <laughs> the golden yeah. circle. Oh no. Oh, that was a terrible way to end. Uh, well, terrible way to start. Our second, <laughs> our second hundred movies. I know that's true. We'll have to do better next time. I know. I'm not too sure what we're gonna do yeah. next week. Um, I'm not super interested in a Rambo. Uh, I'm gonna kill Last Blood. Uh, Mexican drug dealers now. Right. Um, but Ad Astra is coming out. Ad Astra. Um, I th- I was thinking earlier that we should maybe we do um, Taron Egerton a solid by reviewing a better movie of his and Rocket like renting Man. Rocket Man, which yeah. we have not seen. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good possibility. Um, there's also Downton Abbey. Uh, have you ever seen that show? No. I tried watching the the first episode. And I turned it off before I fell asleep. Oh, wow. That's impressive. I, I could feel it coming. I was like, this is not interesting to me. Yeah. I don't know. I'd be inter- I I don't know. Maybe I need to watch an episode and then decide. Oh, okay. So. All right. Oh, I think that'll be it for yeah. the 2018 Robin Hood. Right. Our 101st 
episode po- episode of the podcast. Thanks for giving it a listen. Yes, very and much. We watched this movie so that you didn't have to. You're welcome. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, quick uh, housekeeping note: uh, We're releasing this podcast a little later in the week than what we typically try to do, and going forward, it might end up being more that way, at least for a few months, due to scheduling reasons. Just FYI for everybody. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening to the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes and uh, Spotify now and a bunch of other apps where you can find podcasts. Uh, if you want to email us about what you thought about this or any other movie we've ever done, you can email the podcast at ddkpodcasting at gmail.com. Uh, leave us a review at any of the places I previously mentioned. That'd be nice. And, uh, yeah, I think that'll be it. And until next week. Go see a movie. And thanks, everyone, for listening.